Good afternoon and welcome to Your Book Garden, a copyrighted show presented by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm Tina Susetic, your host. It's another beautiful, breezy, sunny day in northwestern Wisconsin, a type of day that you just want to bottle up and save and open up during a cold winter day. Today I am pleased to have, to have Tess Thompson as my guest. Um, Tess and I met this past June at Wild Deadwood Reads in um, Deadwood, South Dakota. We had a pleasant time discussing our lives and the world of writing. Um, Tess is a U.S. Today bestselling author. She writes small-town romances and historical fiction. She started her writing career in fourth grade when she wrote a story about an orphan who opened a pizza restaurant. Oddly enough, her first novel, River Song, is about an adult orphan who opens a restaurant. Clearly, she's obsessed with food and words for a long time now. Uh, she has a, with a degree from the University of Southern California in theater, she spent her adult life studying story, wordcraft, and character. Since 2018, she's published 17 novels and two novellas. Most days, she spends at her desk chasing her daily word count or rewriting a terrible first draft. Um, I have read um, all, um, all of her um, which series, Cliffside series, and um, I would have to say that her stories have more twists and turns than the most crooked street in San Francisco, and I just love them. So welcome, Tess. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, well, let's see. Um, that that, uh, that bio sort of sums it up. I am obsessed with food, uh, although I prefer eating it than cooking it. Um, but uh, I live in a suburb of Seattle with my husband. We will be married three years this coming Saturday. And um, we have a blended family of four kids and five cats. He had two boys and I had two girls and he had three cats and I had two cats. So we, when we merged about three and a half years ago, we all, we all moved in together. So it's always a zoo quite literally around here. Um, and yeah, like, like my bio says, I studied theater in college and then, uh, I lived in LA for a little while and tried to, you know, make the acting thing work, but I just, you know, LA was, was not for me and I quickly discovered that acting was probably better a hobby than a profession so I moved up to Seattle and that was in 1992 and I've been up here ever since then I grew up in a small town in Oregon but um, spent you know five and a half years in Los Angeles Uh, and my original idea uh, as far as writing goes was to be a playwright so I I started out experimenting with that and uh, wrote uh, my first full-length play in 2000, and it won a local contest here in Seattle. And with that came a production of it. And I just remember sitting in the in the in the theater watching it uh, opening night and thinking, you know, I don't think I'm a playwright. I think I want to be a novelist. Um, so I just set out a goal at that point that I've you know got to to really tackle my fears and, and start writing on a daily basis or, you know, at least as, as much as I could fit in with my day job. Um, so years and years went by after that. I had two children. And when, in 2006, when my youngest was born, I, I stayed home with them. And uh, I was 37, 38, I guess I was 38 when Emerson was born. That's my youngest. And I said to myself, I am going to finish a novel by the time I'm 40. And so I just wrote during nap times or I'd get up early and, and I didn't really have any aspirations necessarily even to have it published. It was just something 
I wanted to do for myself, kind of just one of those goals. Um, but after that, and that was River Song, but after it was done, I showed it to a couple friends and they were like, you know, this is really good. I think you should try to, to, pub, to get it published. So then I went down the hole, tried to get an agent and, you know, that whole <laughs> Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, yep. and that that didn't quite work out. I had some some good nibbles, and the positive that came out of that is that I had some really good feedback of what about what needed work, and and so I I rewrote it, and in the kind of in that interim period, I reconnected with a friend from college who uh, subsequently went to work for a small press. And they ended up publishing River Song. And it, this was back in 2011. And it, it was a lot easier for independent publishers uh, or small presses to, to get books kind of more in the public eye. So it ended up doing really well, much to our surprise. And, um, you know, hit the Amazon lists and Barnes and & Noble and all that stuff. So that just kind of launched my career, basically. Um, and it gave me enough of an income that I could you know, justify staying home with the kids still and writing, you know, when I, around their schedules. So that's really how it all started. And, and then there were some bumps along the road, including that my, the publisher I was with went under and Uh, closed very abruptly. Yeah. And that was, that was after eight books. So I, I really wasn't sure. Yeah. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but my husband, my, my now husband, um, really, felt strongly we should self-publish so I was like you know what let's do it and uh it's been since then it's my career has really taken off it's I like having the independence of publishing as quickly as I want choosing my own editors you know all of that so that's kind of the story of how I ended up here you know being able to write every day and it's I, I still pinch myself as a matter of fact this morning I had to go in to get some blood drawn, um, and the the gal who took my blood asked me uh, if I was working. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in my workout clothes, so I said, I always feel sheepish, but I said, Yeah, yeah, I'm working today, but I work from home. You know, <laughs> I'm sure she was thinking, that. <laughs> What kind of job do you have, lady? But um, and she said, Oh, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm a writer, and and I still kind of feel a little bit shy to say that because, and mm-hmm. I think a lot. Most authors kind of have that imposter syndrome thing, but um, and yep. <laughs> she said, oh, what do you, you know, I said, I told her I wrote women's fiction, and, and she said, oh, what, it must be so wonderful. I can just imagine sitting on a patio in the sunshine just writing stories, <laughs> and it is, that is true, that, you know, it is wonderful, but it's also really difficult work some days where you just think yeah. this story is terrible I have you know I have nowhere to go with it and so I just had to laugh because it, it is wonderful and it, it is also a very hard job at the same time you know so many people have that romantic idea of of authors you know and and, and what we do and how we do it and you know it's like yeah sit on the, you know sit on the deck in the sun or sit on the beach and it's like I go to a park in my car and sit in my car so I can get some writing done that's real romantic <laughs> so, <Exactly>. I <laughs> can't do that in the yeah I can't do that in the winter but in the summer it's like I've got to get away from the cat and the dust and everything and uh, I can get more writing done in two two hours in my car you know yeah and, oh it's uh, true yeah. I uh yeah yeah, it's funny, and they don't realize, you know, the editing and the re-editing and the, yeah, 
by the time you get done publishing a book, you've probably read your book like 11 times and you're just like, oh man, let's just go on to the next one. So. Yeah, yeah. Somebody asked me, do you, do you kind of, are you sad sometimes when you're finished? And I thought, not usually. Usually I'm like, oh, thank God. I never want to see these people yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but, but then it's like, but, but you write, you write series. So you do see some of those characters again and again. You know? Yeah. And again. Well, and, and I, yeah. And actually it's always just initially when I'm done and then I, then I do sort of miss them. And it has, especially with Clipside Bay, because I set out to write it really like almost like a serial television, like a short serial television series. Um, it is really fun to have created this pretend town and all of these characters that I do feel are real people and I and I know them and I sometimes it'll occur to me just as I'm driving around oh I know what will happen in their life next or and so that part has been so fun especially with Cliffside Bay because I set out to do that in the beginning with my other series they weren't as well planned out so I it, it wasn't clear from the beginning exactly where I was going whereas with this one I knew from the start we'll start with this story and go, you know, all the way through. Well, that brings up the question, are you a plotter or a pantser? Or Uh, both? I'm definitely a a pantser, Um, although I usually know the beginning and the end. Uh, And I I always start with characters, I think probably because I was trained in the theater. Uh, So I have very detailed character sketches before I start. So their background anything you can think of that would be notable about a person, I have all that figured out. And then when I know kind of the beginning and the end, then it pretty much tells that the story comes to me organically from there. Uh, so I have a loose idea, but for the most part, I'm a pantser. Yeah, I, that's what I am too. So just let the characters kind of take over and, um, you know, and, and, and see where it goes. And sometimes I don't even know the ending of the story. So, <laughs> um, and when you, you know, that's happened to me a couple of times and it's been kind of like, Oh my gosh, what do I do? <laughs> you know, I don't know who the bad guys I know. are, but <laughs> I know. that's true. Especially. Yeah. For, I, I will say for my mysteries, uh, I just have a couple, well, my, my one, my Blue Mountain series are romantic mysteries. And I do joke sometimes that I don't know who the killer is until it's pretty far into the book. And then I think, is this going to work? And then you have to go back and rewrite, you know, that whole situation. Yeah. You know, and that, and, 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 and that's hard when you've changed something and then you can say, Oh my, now wait a minute. Now this isn't going to work up here and this isn't going to work here. Did I catch everything that, you know, I needed to change to make it, work with my new idea or you know yeah. that that basically just happened in the one that hopefully is coming out in the next month or so um it was like oh man did I catch everything you know exactly no <laughs> and, and then I have an, t- an editor and I said to her uh, when we first started working together I said my Achilles heel is that very thing because I am a pantser and I do so many rewrites that you know please keep an eye out for when I've change you know the scene originally was you know at the restaurant and all of a sudden it's at somebody's house and (laughs) it's stuff like that that can just bite you but that's why you need a good editor because I'm sure you experience this too after you've looked at you've worked on the book for so long you start to become blind to it almost like you can't see it as somebody else would 
Yeah. I met a gentleman on a, a shuttle the other day coming back from uh, uh, Writers Police Academy, and he was working on a, on a book, and he was he's, he was writing a, a a literature novel, and he was up to 186,000 words. And wow. I was just like, whoa, that's a long book. And then I said, <laughs> well, do you have an editor? And I wasn't asking for myself. I said, do you have an, an editor? And he goes, no, I edit for people. He goes, I'm just going to edit myself. And I just wanted to say, no, don't do that. Don't edit yourself. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're going to miss <laughs> things. And, and then I wanted to say, yeah. and maybe make that two books. <laughs> I mean, that's like a 600-page right. book. That's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Um, so what is your writing day like? I mean, you've got the four kids and the five cats. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's summer. We <laughs> talked earlier about school is ready to start. So um, that should give you more time. But what is your writing day like? Well, I usually – well, it's interesting because it's changed a little bit. Uh, it used to be I would drop the kids off at, when they were little. I'd drop them off at school, and then I would just write during the time they were gone. And that was kind of that worked out well, and that it was a structure that I had to stick with. Uh, but now that I have more time, I've been able to write longer, longer days, which is great. But my routine usually is um, I drop the during school time. I drop the kids off at school, then I head to the gym, do my workout, and come home. And usually. By the time I answer emails and, you know, do some business things, it's usually about 10 o'clock. This is my new routine anyway, about 10 o'clock before I really start to focus. And I try to write until about 3.30 or 4. You know, I I get up, obviously, and have lunch or, you know, look look at email or whatever, anything that is urgent that I need to take care of. But um, I've been doing this new thing where I write for an hour, I put a timer on and I write for an hour and then I take about 15 minutes break and walk around or do whatever. And I've been trying to do that three to five times a day, depending on what I have going on with the kids or, you know, whatever. Uh, And that seems to be working pretty well. I, I read recently that adults can only concentrate for 25 minutes at a time. I think it is. But for me, and I was doing that for a while, 25 minutes and, you know, five-minute break or whatever. But I found for me getting into that flow and that rhythm takes a good 20 minutes. And my sweet spot is sort of that from 20 minutes to, to 60. So that's been working pretty well for me, actually. Um, and I'm amazed how quickly that hour will go. So that's, oh, that's yeah. my routine. You know, I don't I – don't, right, I'm not a person who can write at night. Plus, I work so much during the day and – sacrifice you know family time and that that I really feel like I should make dinner and be with my family and my husband at night so that's that's sort of my routine yeah Yeah. I when I was younger (laughs) writing my my history books and military books I would especially on a deadline I I would write until 11 you know 11 o'clock at night and I think each year I got older and I went back farther and farther and farther and now it's like yeah I'm 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 done it you know four o'clock and you know and half the time I don't even check my emails at at night because it's like nope that's 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 my time that's time with my husband and you know and uh and let it let it go at that um I was asked this question during when I was being interviewed and we we talked about this at my last writers group meeting um I was asked are there any words that that trip you up like you overuse them or sayings you overuse or, um, or any word you have trouble spelling. 
um, I helped a friend of mine just edit her book, and then you know I, it was it's her first book, and I, you know, I showed her how I do the search to see how many times I've used certain words, and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> then I went back and I did it to my current book, and I was I mean I just about fell off my chair. I had used the word but 456 times. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> oh my gosh, are you crazy? And one of the gals in my writers group said it seems like it's a different word each book. Oh, that's because I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I, and I think she's right. So, is there any words that you find yourself overusing or sayings or anything like that? Um, probably, but I can't think of them off the top of my head. I bet it's right that it depends on the book. Um, I'm sure I'm a, an abuser of but, uh, and uh, well. You, especially with romances, it's hard to be innovative with kiss or smile or yeah. or mm-hmm. the look in somebody's eyes. You know what I'm saying? So that's something yeah. that always tripped me up. I think that I have to think, how can I be, how can I reinvent this from what I did it the last time? Uh, so that's definitely a challenge. Uh, I'm, a, I'm actually a terrible speller. So I have, I, you know, use spell check, obviously, and there's a lot of automatic <laughs> spells, you know, so that's really good for me because, um, well, and then the other thing, my editor pointed this out to me one time, she said that I often use the British spelling for things, and I was like, well, that must be because oh. I've read so many British novels over the years, so stuff like that <laughs> up as well, yeah, I, I, that's a great question. I probably ha- should have a better answer, but I'll have to go and look and see what ones I'm overusing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I just one uh, somebody was you know reading my beta reader, and she goes, "You you use the words heavens too much." Well, my character says heavens. She doesn't swear. She says the word heavens, and it's like, right. well, should I find another way? But that's kind of like her. That's what she says, and I'm like, she goes, "I get tired of hearing the word heavens," and it's like. Okay, so what else can I have her say? You know, golly, right, right. you know, it's, it's a historical. Well, and that's so, you know. well, and that's a yeah, and that's a challenge for my cliffside books because I, you know, didn't want to have very many curse words in them, and there's obviously it's all behind closed doors for the hanky panky, but you know, they're the characters are young, so they don't they're not going to say. Oh gosh! <laughs> so it's yeah. hard to to find a way that sounds authentic that doesn't use the F word, uh, especially with the, yeah. the male characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 is hard. Um, yeah, sometimes you can drive yourself crazy, and if you you know if you are you know doing you know a love scene, and it's like okay, how many ways can you? Well, like you said, kiss or you know, right. touch or, you know, um, yeah. I always have them. My hands are always all over the place. You know, their hands, their hands, their hands. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and it's, uh, um, now tell us about your Cliffside Bay series. And that's the one that I've, I read um, all the books in it. And I don't know how many they're going to be so far, but um, how did you come up with the idea and what's, what's it about? Uh, so the idea came to me, well, kind of two things. One is uh, an old friend of mine sent me uh, an article about a town called Bolinas in Northern California. 
And it was an article, it was a travel article that had been published in the New York Times about this little town, Bolinas, and the premise was that the residents didn't want anybody to know about this town because it has this beautiful beach and, and they wanted to keep it to themselves and not invite tourists in. And so the townspeople were known to take roadside signs down, you know, saying Bolinas <laughs> two miles or, you know, Bolinas this way. And he, he said, wouldn't this be a great setting for a series? And I was like, yeah, it really would. With the premise of we, we don't want anybody in. And then, of course, that gives you conflict for any of the characters who do want to build more of a tourist town for economic reasons or whatever. So that was part of it. And I've told this story before, but my husband and I were doing Spartan races. We actually weren't even married then, but we went to San Francisco to do a Spartan race. And that's a, it's a run with obstacle, uh, obstacles. And there was one in San Francisco. So we did that, and I suggested that maybe we drive up to Bolinas the day after just to take a look and you know we could take some pictures and just see if it was something if there was something there for a series so we did that and took a, a you know 100 pictures and walked to walk the beach and walked around the little town and you know as a writer you know this but like you want to know what what it smells like and you know yeah. what the sidewalks look like and all that sort of thing so I, I just was very taken with the town and I thought yeah this is a great setting for a series um, and I had this idea that actually ended up being deleted, which is book two in the series. Uh, ironically, the same friend who sent me the article about Bolinas, he's actually my first boyfriend, my first love. And after oh. we broke up, I was always seeing him everywhere. But then, of course, it wasn't really him. But, you know, it was just like some the back of somebody's head, would I would think, is that him? So... <laughs> In the deleted, I don't want to give too much away for people who haven't read it, but uh, the the, char- the male character Jackson thinks he sees his his former girlfriend everywhere, uh, but he knows it can't be because she died when they were eighteen. Well, it ends up that she didn't die, and there's a whole reason for that. But um, so that was I just had this image of oh, this woman standing at the bench that overlooks the, this, you know, stretch of beach and he comes behind her and sees her and thinks it's Maddie and says her name. It was just like this image came to me. So that actually, that story came to me before I decided to do Cliffside Bay. But after I decided on Cliffside Bay, I thought, yep, that's where Maggie and Jackson belong in that series, but not the first book. The first book, for some reason, and I can't tell you why or how it came to me, but, you know, it was Brody and Kara. So uh, then the other thing that happened is I, I am in love with this show, This Is Us. I don't know if you watch that, but I, I'm just obsessed with it. And it's about this family and the way the, the storytelling is really neat and that they go back and forth in time. But I thought I want to do a series where I can catch people's imaginations like this show has caught mine, where they feel like these are real people, where they're totally invested in their lives. And I thought, I know it's not conventional wisdom. They always say write standalones because people don't like to have to read things in order. But like, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to write this story about these five best friends who go way back and this, you know, it will really be a story about their friendship and their families, but also their love stories. So that's kind of how it came to me. And I, I originally thought it would just be the five, 
But as the series took off in both popularity and my imagination, I decided to add another five um, because there were all these secondary characters that kept coming up that I thought, oh, that's, that's really interesting or I can see where I could go with this. So it, as, it, as planned now, it will be 10 full-length novels. And then there are two novel, novellas already. And I think that there's going to be a – I think I have a third one I want to do as well. Uh, so yeah, so that's a long answer to your question, but that's how it all came about. <laughs> well, no, that's 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 a good answer, and and you called the five original friends the dogs, or they called yeah. themselves the dogs, and then yeah. their girlfriends and slash wives called themselves the wags, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and then actually, the next, I have, to, I have to give a shout out though to that. The Wags came from um, one of my street team members. She's been with me forever. Her name's Kathy Aiden, and she she suggested Wags. And I think I had actually that one had occurred to me as well. But I was thought I'm not sure. But then when she said it, I was like, okay, that's it. That's just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it was. I thought it was great. I'm like, oh wow. And then the next five, they called themselves the Wolves. So you kind of have a little right. little thing there going, and. As I was reading, I, I kept coming up with a, a theme that it was troubled men and women and those that love them. And that's kind of what I thought the series, what I got out of the series was, was, was that. Plus you had mystery in there and some angst and, you know, a um, couple of parts yeah. where I, I, I teared, teared up. And I do want to, um, before we went on the air, we were talking about your children and my grandchildren and, and teenagers and <laughs> what it's like with the teenagers and you get one that's finally getting out of that puberty stage and then you got another one sliding in and book number seven called healing is stone and pepper's story and when i read the first two paragraphs especially the first paragraph i'm just like oh my gosh you just hit the nail on the head and i, I want if it's okay i want to read it um you bet because i just think it's Okay. Stone Hickman knew life was as fickle as a teenage girl. One moment, everything was rainbows, unicorns, and chocolate drops falling from the sky. Without warning, unicorns turned into flying monkeys and rainbows transformed into moody clouds that rained down those slimy canned peas peas he'd been forced to eat as a kid, surviving on subsidized school lunch. Today was all rainbows and unicorns. Given the number of can pee type days he'd had during his 30 years of life, he soaked up the unicorns and rainbows, grateful for each one. But, oh, my gosh, I was just like, oh, that is just teenagers right on. <laughs> 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 a, 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 grand, a granddaughter that's going into seventh grade, and it's just like, you know, some days she's just like a unicorn and everything is wonderful and sweet, and the next day or the next hour, next minute, you know, without warning. <laughs> And uh, I just yeah. burst out laughing when I read that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, well, I, they, I I know that other writers say this too, but it is like you don't even realize it. But whenever you're working on something, a lot of the things that are going on in your real life just kind of creep in there. So it doesn't take too much imagination to figure out how how that one got in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but just the. Unicorn, unicorns and chocolate drops and rainbows and then flying monkeys and <laughs> moody clouds. Oh, my gosh. That is just, uh, you know, the, the only, you know, I, I went through it with my kids, and, and I don't think, 
you know, in hindsight, they weren't that bad, but then sometimes I think, yeah, with my daughter, eh, you know, so actually it's kind of like payback is kind of fun, but then again, I don't want my children to go through that pain because they're my children, (laughs) (laughs) but sometimes payback is kind of fun. So, um, yeah. I've asked this question of other authors who do who do series. Um, I mean, you've got a lot of characters. Um, I think Stone and Pepper is your seventh book. Um, do you have when is when is your next one coming out in the in the cliffside? Excuse uh, me, so or is it all? Uh, no, it's it's coming out September sixteenth, and that one is Scarred okay. and a Trey and Autumn. Yeah. Scarred. Okay. How do you keep track of your characters. I know you said that you, you know, you do quite a, you know, a, elaborate or detailed character sketch on each character. But, you know, there's a lot of characters in these in these stories. Um, how do you keep? What's your way to organize your characters and your plots and your theme and everything? Well, I have um, a character bible, which uh, my my previous editor actually started for me and that was, it's just a spreadsheet. And every time a new character was introduced, we would, you know, put in the details. Uh, so I do that. Although I'm not as disciplined about it as I should be. I also have like, so I have, uh, as I said, these detailed character sheets, but this time for the wolves, I actually did a spreadsheet uh, with themes and character arcs and all that sort of thing from the very beginning so that helps me too, but it also doing them in these five book chunks, I've really thought of it as one book in a strange way. Talk about a, a, a book that's too long, uh, 500,000 <laughs> words or whatever. <laughs> but, but, um, so, yeah, so that's what I've done is I have, and I, so I update my spreadsheet. Um, and then I, then I also have all my notes from before I started writing, but, it's, it can get tricky, and I actually I often have to go back and reread to make sure, or I'll ask my reader group, hey, do you guys remember such and such? They, I swear they remember things that I don't even. It's weird, but, but it is very challenging, and especially because you're so in the moment of writing the current book that you, you know, the other ones are almost forgotten the minute you go to the next one. I mean, not really, but you know what I'm saying. Like, you're just kind of focused yeah. on in the here and now. So it is a challenge. Yeah. The other thing some of the readers ask me for is a family tree because the, between the dogs and the wolves and all their families and parents and stuff that, you know, months go by between maybe when they would read them. So they wanted a reminder. And one of the, uh, one of uh, the gals in my early reader group put one together and it's so pretty the way she did it. And her seven year old daughter did the kind of did a little illustration. So I'm going to actually add the family tree to the beginning of all the cliffside books, just because I think it's fun and I think readers would enjoy it. I also would like to do a map of the city of Cliffside Bay just for fun. And oh, yeah. I think readers would enjoy that too. Yeah. Uh, and, and they actually, the, my, some of the gals in my reader group asked for it. So that, yes, yeah, I'm working on that, but I'm not very artistic that way. So I'm going to have to have one of my daughters help me probably. They're I was going to have, have, say, have, have, have that seven-year-old do it for you. <laughs> yeah, well, you should see how cute this little drawing she did, but anyway. 
Well, that that's a good idea to have it because I, I like it when, you know, when authors do that because I'll find myself flipping back, especially if it's a paperback. It's on my Kindle. It's a little bit harder. But, you know, I find yes. myself flipping back going, oh, okay, she, th- those two are brother and sister, and but those two, they're not related, but they're like brothers, you know. Right. <laughs> and, it, um, yeah, exactly. You know, trying – yeah, trying to trying to keep them straight. I use an Excel spreadsheet, but you know, which because I can never remember the names of my characters, and and I'm sure you do the same thing. It's like, you know, it's, you know, like one of my um, people that read my books ahead of time, um, they'll go, "Where did this person come from?" I'm like, I've got a name in there that has nothing to do with anything, not even any of my past books, and I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what I'm exactly. thinking. I, I always feel better when other writers tell me that they do that too, because I always think, gosh, what is wrong with me that I can't even remember something I created? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when I, uh, when I was saying that I, you know, changed in this current book, uh, The Balcony Girl, um, you know, and I, I changed the mystery and I changed, you know, so I had to go back and change everything. And then I decided that the person that I was going to have be kind of a, not a very nice character or I actually was going to be a nice character, turned out to be a not so nice character. Then I had to create a nice character. Then I had to make sure I changed all the names and I just got one of the things back from one of my, my, uh, my, my uh, pre-readers. And um, yeah, I didn't catch all the, (laughs) I didn't didn't catch all the changes. (laughs) So it's like, it wasn't Dory, it was Hattie. I'm like, Oh, you're right. You're right. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Well, I mean, one thing I've noticed that I do with the Cliffside books is because the characters are in and out of the, you know, the stories, I sometimes write the wrong name when I'm, because I think it's like my fingers are on muscle memory or something. So when I, when I finish one book and go to the next, it's like my fingers still are wanting to type the old name. <laughs> so I have oh, to really yeah. be careful about that. Yeah. Or your brain is just, you know, that's where your that's where your brain is, and you're thinking, oh yeah, this. Is, but it's really bad though when you stick in a name from like two books ago. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you also have several other series. Um, can you tell us about this, the River Valley series, the L- Legley Bay? Am I pronouncing that right? Legley Bay. Yep, that's right. Yep. Um, and yeah, the so and, have... and the Blue Mountain. Yeah, so River Valley is, uh, River Song was my first book, and it's, uh, the premise of that series is it's set in this little town in southern Oregon based on the one that I grew up in, for real, um, although fairly loosely based, but uh, the premise is that with each new, so it's this little town, it's, it's a timber community that's dying and being taken over by meth people and that sort of thing, which is, is what's happening in real life. And a group of friends decide to reinvent the town into a tourist destination. So each story is a love story, but also kind of the introduction to a new business in town. So it starts with River Song, which is a restaurant. Um, and then we, I, I have a call center coming in, you know, all these things to kind of reinvigorate the community. And by the fifth book, it's, you know, this quaint little tourist destination and you know, things are, there's a toy store and a bookstore and all these things. So that's sort of the premise of that one. And they, um, you know, and I guess I oh, let me uh, can I make a comment. It's, it's almost, it's almost the opposite of Cliffside because Cliffside doesn't want people to come in and River Valley yeah. wants 
people to come in. They're just totally opposite of each other. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I think it's obviously my obsession with small towns because, you know, I grew up in one and I, it makes me sad because, you know, small towns are dying because there's just no industry yeah. or, or like in the Pacific Northwest, the timber industry, you know, was hit so hard. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, my fantasy of what could happen. Uh, and then again, the idea of, well, we want it to stay small and wonderful, but we also need commerce. So how does that reconcile? Yeah. So obviously that's a theme that I care about, but um, yeah. And, and the, the River Valley series are more romantic suspense than the other series, I would say. Um, it, the, several of them feature women in peril, that sort of thing. Um, and then Legley Bay, there's only two of those. And they're, I don't know if there'll ever be another one, honestly. They they were early books, and um, I don't know that I'll go back to them. But it's a little town set on the Oregon coast, and they are they're more mysteries, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess you'd say romantic mysteries. And then my Blue Mountain series, which there's three of them. The fourth will be out at the beginning of next year. That is about the Lanigan siblings. There's three brothers and a sister, and each one of them will have a story. And those are probably my most mystery intense of all my series. Uh, and they, they're kind of they're fun because they're written in first person, which my other books aren't. And it is set in a little town in Idaho, but it's basically about this family that they've they had a tragic event happen. And it's kind of them working through that and then their love stories and then also a mystery. And I love writing those, but they're, they're the hardest ones to write, which is why it's taken me so long to finish the series. The mysteries are always hard for me because you have to figure out so many little details yeah. and, and all that. So as you know, so. yeah. yeah what, do they, what do they say? If there's, if there's a gun in the room, somebody better use it at some point, you know, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, 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 and, and trying to figure, you know. Yeah, go ahead. Tr- trying to figure out how to make it work. Yeah. Well, and then I was just going to say, I also had two what I would call book club fiction, and they're two standalone duet for three hands and Miller's Secret. They're they actually have sequels I'd like to do for both of them that I have plotted out in my loose way. Um, I just haven't been able to get much traction on sell on the sales side on those. Um, I think as an indie author, it's harder to get women's fiction or historical fiction kind of out there for people to, to notice, but I love writing them and I would really, really like to write more. Um, but the romance series have been so much more popular that I'm, I'm kind of sticking with those for the moment, but we'll see what happens. Next and have you, have you ever, all your stories are contemporary. Uh, no, the two that I just spoke of are both historical. They're set, uh, oh, they one are set in the Depression mm-hmm, and one set right after World War II. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, um, I'm kind of obsessed. I'm obsessed with history from like 1920 to 1950, so I've done a lot of reading and research. So I, if I do more historical, most likely they'll be set in those eras. Well, I don't know if I mentioned this when, you know, we were visiting in, in, in Deadwood, but um, a couple of my books are, are set in, um, and it's a, it's a, or will be a series, are set in the mid-1970s. And I was told that's a 
on the cusp of being and his, being historical. And then I was reading something just the other day, and you could submit your book, but it has to be historical, anything before 1980. And I'm like, are you serious? I, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I just saw that same thing. That's so funny. And Did I thought, you? 1980. Oh. oh my! I know. It's like I didn't. You know, I my 1970s. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I don't know if I saw the exact same one you did, but I saw that that recently too, and it took me. I it took me by surprise for a second. I was like, Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, my my one set in 19 in the in 1975. I did not have to research because. <laughs> I love it. It's just like, you know, and I I told this to a group of women that I, I was given a talk to a women's club and, and a lot of them are older. And I, and I just, I kind of prefaced it by, um, okay, now I'm going to say something that, you know, might upset some of you, but, uh, and, I, and I told them that, and there was dead silence in the room. And all of a sudden there's, there's this like, <laughs> no, no. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. So, oh my gosh. It's just like, yeah. No, I hate that. Oh, so yeah. The so kids, you've got. I know the kids. The kids at my kids at school. Some of the dress up days are '80s day. That's like their history oh. day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, can tell you I know. To uh, wear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should have kept those clothes, huh, for your kids? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so you have a book coming out September 16th, and then you have one coming out. Uh, when did you say the next one was? January? Uh, well, I'm, my goal is to have uh, book nine and ten of the Cliffside Bay books out by the end of the year. It's going end to of, be a, by the end of 2019. It will be okay. a stretch. I know for sure the book nine will be out. I'm hoping to get book ten out, but it may end up rolling into January. And then Blue String, which is the fourth Blue Mountain book, will be out after that. Okay. Do you ever get um, feel like you're getting burned out, or or like yeah, you need to take I, a break? Because that's a lot of books. Yeah, I, I do. And you know, it's interesting because like I just took two weeks off in June because we had well, I guess June and July one week in each because I we had family trips. And those technically are time off, but it's not like just, you know, hanging around in the house, like puttering in a garden type of time off, you know, it's family trips and that sort of thing. Um, so I, and when I'm home, I'm pretty much working because I do have a very vigorous in this, you know, I, I put this on myself. I always say my, my boss is a real witch, you know, but um, I have a vigorous <laughs> production schedule because I have... In romance, especially, you have to keep producing books. You have to get one out, you know, on a regular basis, or there's just so much competition that readers forget about oh, you. Yeah. So I've just, I've, I've dedicated the last couple years, and I say it's going to be a couple more after this, that my priority is just really button seat producing. And, and I've said this to friends before, it's like you, you'd be surprised actually how much you can accomplish if you just say, yes, I'm going to do this and, and yeah. you just put the time in. So, and also I think too, the more you write, the, it's like a muscle, you know, it's like exercise. The more you write, the easier it is. 
I, oh, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Well, I just got the 60-second uh, warning here, and we're down to about 45 seconds. So um, you're on Facebook, and uh, you have your website, Tess Thompson. Is it, is it just Tess Thompson? Uh, it's or Tess it's Thompson? TessWrites.com. TessWrites.com. Oh, Okay, testrights.com. So thank you so much for uh, joining me today, and I hope we get to meet up again at, at, at some book event. Um, and uh, en- enjoy your book releases, and um, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Can't wait to talk again. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, uh, join me on August 27th when I will have um, another guest on. Until then, read on, my lovelies. <laughs>